This episode of Proper English is brought to you by Common Problems, the difference between each and every, and the idiom, a chicken and egg situation. Hello, I'm Alison. And I'm Dave. And we'd like to welcome you to our podcast, which, as you know, is called Proper English. English. If you're learning English and you want to know Sergeant Roberts' first name... If you get stuck learning vocabulary lists... If you're puzzled by how to make the most of your speaking opportunities... Then Proper English is just the thing for you. In this episode, we thought we'd discuss some of the problems that our students tell us about. Not so much the grammar questions that they have, but the barriers they face when learning English. Why are we talking about this, Ali? Well, because we notice the same problems arising over and over again. Mm. So, if all this episode does is make someone feel better about their learning experience, then that is good. Uh-huh. But hopefully, we'll be able to give some top tips too. We both work as community tutors on the italki platform. Now... Our job is mostly to provide learners with an opportunity to practice their conversational English, although we do much more besides. Inevitably, we meet people who are looking to practice speaking, but I don't think it's much of a leap to realise that actually having the opportunity to speak English is one of the biggest obstacles that learners face. So, what can they do about it? Well, it isn't easy. Those students who are still in school or at university find that they get a lot of drilling in grammar and vocabulary. Personally, I believe that this is because these aspects of language are the easiest to test. And I think that's a shame Mm. because students deserve more. They do. But I'm not blaming English teachers abroad. They have to deliver the curriculum they've been given. You were going to tell us what students can do about it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I got on my soapbox. Sorry. Mm. Right. Well, first of all, can you find a language partner? Forums like italki... Oh, we're not being paid to advertise them, just so you know. (laughs) Yep. There are various places on the internet where you can find a native speaker who wants to improve their spoken language too. Yeah. Then you can split your time between the native languages you each have and help each other to improve. No charge. Do, however, trust your instincts when it comes to the people who contact you. Mm Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are people out there who are too cheap to join a dating website. Mm. But a language exchange partner can work really well. Okay, next up. Is there an English club where you live? One of my Chinese students goes to English Corner every Saturday. It's a place in one of her local parks, a cafe, I think. And several hours during the day every Saturday are devoted to speaking English. So... Some native speakers living there go because they like to talk in their own language and to help others. And lots of non-native speakers go to practice their English in a relaxed atmosphere. Cool. And I suppose if there's nothing like that where you live, you may be able to start something similar. Your local library, university, a local school or even a cafe might be happy to give you space to use and to help you advertise. Some good ideas there. Mm -hmm. But what about people like us who live on the edge of nowhere? (laughs) Well, if they just aren't the opportunities for you to actually practice speaking, then write. It won't help with your pronunciation, sadly. Not really. But it uses many of the skills that you need to talk. You need to think in sentences, organise your grammar, 
choose the right vocabulary and so on. Oh, yeah. Treat it as a way to practice organising your thoughts. Another big issue is not making the most of the opportunities that you do have. And this usually comes down to shyness or the fear of making mistakes. When we're out and about here in Portugal, we do our best to use our Portuguese now. Ali tends to do most of the talking. Mm-hmm. When we're together, we act as a team, don't we? We do. I'm really not bothered about making mistakes in my spoken Portuguese. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, I know. I could look like an idiot. Well, I'm perfectly capable of looking like an idiot in English. So what's the difference? <laughs> also, people are almost always impressed if you make the effort to speak their language. So just by trying, you've started on the right foot. And then there's listening. Huh? Very good. <laughs> I tend to be better at listening in Portuguese than you are. So then I help you out so that you can know what to say next. Ah, if only you were so good at listening to your wife. Eh? <laughs> Touché. Seriously, though, listening is so important. And there isn't anybody who is as good at listening as they think they are. Think about the conversations you have in your first language. How much do you really listen to the other person in the conversation? Most people are waiting for their turn to speak, focusing on what they want to say rather than giving their full attention to the speaker. Yeah, try giving the speaker your full attention. It's polite, it's flattering, and you'll probably learn something. You never know. What about listening in your non-native language, Dave? Well, we talked a lot about listening way back in episode 7. So it's definitely worth giving that another listen. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing is to focus. Try not to let your attention wander. If there's a new word or something you didn't understand and you're not able to interrupt and ask the speaker to repeat themselves, then don't keep thinking about that part because as sure as eggs are eggs, you'll miss the next bit and that will double your misfortune. If you're in an informal situation, it can be helpful to repeat the important thing that the other person just said. Actually, I sometimes do this in English too, as my short-term memory is really quite bad. Mm. So I repeat the important part as a way of helping myself to remember. And now we're asking, what's the difference? What's the difference? This suggestion came from our friend Richard Harris. He is in fact English, but speaks excellent French and, I believe, rather good Italian too. He suggested the difference between each and every because they can be a challenge even for native English speakers. The meanings are similar. They refer to individual things within a list. If there are only two things, you must use each. I have a hearing aid in each ear. Or, she wore gloves on each hand. If there are three or more things, then you can use each or every. So often, they're interchangeable. So, for example, Dave got each item on his birthday list is the same as Dave got every item on his birthday list. Oh, I wish. <laughs> to use them effectively, you need to understand that each refers to individuals, whereas every refers to the whole group. So, every poet is literate. The description applies to the group as a whole. Oh, yeah. Compare that with each poet has a distinctive style. We're pointing out the individuality. Oh, very good. Back to common problems then. Lots of students are concerned about their lack of vocabulary. Unfortunately, 
students are still often given lists of vocabulary to learn, probably for a test. It's not that this is a bad thing, it's just it's not necessarily very effective. We tend to remember the things that are important to us, the things we're going to use. Years ago, we started to learn Spanish in preparation for a holiday. We only needed the basics, but the course that we bought had some really random things. Do you remember I drove you crazy trying to learn how to say desgraciadamente? <laughs> yeah, I do. It took you ages. Desgraciadamente. It means unfortunately, doesn't it? It does. Now, let's think this through. We learned a few nouns. Coffee, beer, bread. You know, holidaymaker stuff. We may even have learned the odd phrase. Buenos dias, for example. But to actually use desgraciadamente, we'd really need to be able to construct sentences. So what a waste of time that was. Except, of course, that you now have an anecdote about learning useless vocabulary. Hmm. Before we moved to Portugal, we started to learn Portuguese using an app. Now, it was fun and some of it was useful. Although it did turn out we were learning Brazilian Portuguese, not European. And we raised a few eyebrows with the neighbours. But early on, we learnt tartaruga. It means turtle. Well, finally, after being here for almost four years, we saw some turtles in a pond in a park and were able to declare tartarugas. Good for us, but not sure it was really worth the time and effort we put in in the early days when we'd have been better off learning the Portuguese for roof tiles, bricks and cement. <laughs> True. Now, unless you have a teacher who's tailoring your learning to your specific needs, you're bound to come across vocabulary that's not useful to you. It's true. The point is, don't worry about it. Don't add it on to your to-learn list unless it's useful or interesting. The only reason I can remember desgraciadamente is because I became obsessed with it, because I loved the way it sounds. What British holidaymakers who attempt to learn Spanish while on holiday usually manage to learn is... Dos tevezas, por favor. Two beers, please. It's what, for some tourists, is something they'll say quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Also, think about how you learnt your first language. Did your parents give you lists of vocabulary to learn? I doubt it. You learnt what was important to you. Mum, Dad, the names of your siblings. You heard those words again and again until you used them for yourself. So to replicate this, games can be useful. There are various online tools you can use. Our Portuguese teacher Emma puts vocabulary onto Quizlet each week and students can play a range of games with the words and that helps them to learn and consolidate them. Yeah, we must remember to practice them. Hmm. And now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Idiom of the Week! Sergeant Roberts had had a trying day at work and decided to call in at his girlfriend's house on his way home. Thanks for popping round, Robert. I've got the kettle on. Good day? Mostly, yeah, Roxy. But D.I. Davidson doesn't half make me feel stupid sometimes. Oh, what's she done now, darling? Well, we was talking about that fire at the chip shop. The Codfather? That's the one, just down the road from the Whistle and Truncheon. Well, everyone thinks it's suspicious. And I said, as sure as eggs is eggs, the owner done it to get the insurance money. And then D.I. Davidson says, eggs are eggs, Roberts. Like I don't know proper English. Oh, she really is mean, isn't she? Yeah, 
Just cause she went to university, she acts all la-di-da. Bear with us, dear listener, we're finally getting to the idiom. Well, it seems like a chicken and egg kind of situation to me. Eh? More eggs? It's an idiom, darling. It comes from the saying, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. Get it? No. Well, is she all la-di-da because she went to university, or did she only get into university because she was all la-di-da? Oh, which came first? Idiom sort of situation. Oh, you are clever, Roxy. Thanks, darling. And here we are at the end of another episode of Proper English. As always, we hope you've had fun listening in on our conversation. And whether you're a new listener or a regular subscriber, why not get in touch with us? You can email us at properenglish or one word at sapo.pt or you can ask us questions on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook if you have them. And don't forget to tell everyone you know about us, your friends, your family, anyone who's studying or learning English. And make sure you like this episode and leave us a nice review and subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app. So, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper English. English.